It was a crazy week at Cross Timbers for my first time to preach at the camp, and uh, it was exciting. I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, somebody once told me, if you can preach to children, then you can preach to adults. So that's what we're going to try and do this morning is preach to adults. Uh, Hope said, how many times are you going to say on Sunday, okay, boys and girls? And so I, I, I've said it this morning. Uh, okay, boys and girls, no. Um, it, it was a joy and a privilege to be able to, to do that, um, trying to get uh, my sermons, as you know, uh, down to 10 to 15 minutes was a challenge, but uh, we made it, and the Lord was with us in that. We are in a summer series called Limitless, and if you've seen the documentary um, with Chris Hemsworth, we're kind of taking it off of that, but we saw the documentary and our hearts were broken to understand that Chris Hemsworth was trying to do all of these good things to improve his life, and yet he didn't once mention um, what these things in this life is preparing us for, which is eternity and eternal life. So we've been probing the depths of these topics um, of, of living for eternity and how God has given us these disciplines of the faith to help us to live for not just the here and now, but with an eternal perspective, something that we all understand as the church that we live not just for today, but for eternal life, which is promised to us by Jesus Christ. So we've talked about how prayer deals with stress and anxiety because we declare our trust in God through prayer and the peace of God guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We've talked about shock and adversity and the trials in which God gives to us to refine us, to make us like Christ, as we know that God is at work even amidst the trial. And last time we looked at the fasting, and we talked about fasting as feasting and denying the flesh so that we may live in the, in the power of the spirit of the living God. We may live for eternity and feast upon the truths of God's word as we fast. So our topic today is strength and endurance. In line with the other topics as a discipline. Yet God gives us this endurance for his children to continue in the faith so that we may receive a crown of righteousness in glory. But as part of endurance is the type of training to be able to run the race of Christian life. Specifically, we're going to be talking about in the area of evangelism, leading people to Christ, this race in which you're on right now to glorify God with your life. So as we've done the other topics, we've had specific challenges, if you will, that we've gone through to experience some of these aspects in the Christian life. The first was prayer, and we dealt with anxiety, in which we spent eight hours in prayer, and we we saw how the, the, the prayer lowered our blood pressure and, and interestingly enough, a great peace came about 
through that. The second was a cold water swim and how we dealt with shock and adversity, knowing that uh, it's very difficult. We think that we're on top of the world and then we get hit with the reality that we're not all that. And then the third one was a 96-hour fast in which we saw God work in, in a variety of ways. And the challenge for this Limitless was actually the, probably the hardest challenge um, from the outside perspective for a strength and endurance challenge. It was training for 10 weeks leading up to a sprint triathlon in which we did a half-mile swim, 12.4-mile bike, and a 3.2-mile run. So here's the journey we went on. I'll, I'll show you this video. You can laugh at me as we, we went on this journey together. training partner Brad Tillman and we trained for 10 weeks straight uh, we would do five days of training out of the seven day uh, week and we do a run a sprint uh, or a run a swim and then a bike every three days and then we do another swim and then a bike run combination on the fifth day uh, every week and so, until we built up enough stamina to be able to do all three at one time. And so, um, it was intense. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, the first time I got into a pool, I started swimming and I thought to myself, I've gone one lap and I am exhausted. Uh, the first time I got on the bike, I thought to myself, I've gone for 10 minutes and I'm about to die. And slowly, by surely, building up and building stamina, building strength and endurance, uh, we were able to not stop the whole race, but go the entire way without stopping. What Paul is saying is these athletes do this for, for a, uh, a crown that will not last. What is we as Christians doing to prepare for the crown that will last, that we training ourselves and disciplining our bodies to be useful for the kingdom of God and to be useful for his purposes here on earth. The simple fact of it is, is that our endurance is not um, just so that we can endure, but it's producing in us, like we've said in the previous, uh, in this series, in the previous sermons in the series, that is producing in us steadfastness of faith. God is work, is at work in the trial, he's at work in the in these things, and we ought to take uh, a disciplined approach to our walk with Christ, and not a a lazy approach to our walk with Christ. The disciplined approach is preparing us for the weight of eternity and the weight of glory. And uh, when we do those things, we see the glory of God work through in, right in every aspect of our life. Paul's really calling out Christians. Are you going to be lazy and just aimlessly walk around? Or are you going to have purpose uh, for your life in which God has designed you to live for the glory of God? Yeah, so me and Brad, uh, my training partner, we went from the couch to training. 
from training to actually finishing a race like that. So, uh, yeah, we put in a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Um, training almost 45 minutes to an hour a day for five days a week um, was pretty rigorous in, in that uh, time. I'm not an endurance runner, I'll just tell you that. I was an athlete, I played sports, but, uh, but my sport was basketball, where you ran 90 feet, you stand there, maybe sometimes you get into stance, and you sit for a while, and then you run 90 feet, sprint again. It wasn't an endurance, and, and specifically in an endurance race, it takes a mental toughness, a mental uh, capacity to continue. Because when you start the, the race, um, there are times in which you want to stop. Um, and yet your training leads you to a point to where you can continue. You know mentally, I have it in me to continue the race. I was, I was at the beginning of the swim, I was swimming and I hit someone. And I had to stop and like stop my swim. And, and if you're a swimmer, you know, like you stop and you get discombobulated, you lose your breath. And I, yet I had to continue on in, in the in the bike area. I, I couldn't get my foot in the in the in the pedal, and I <laughs> I just couldn't go. And so I had to like stop and then go again. It was amazing, but it's a discipline to train in the Christian life. And Paul, and we're going to read here in a minute, Paul uses the race as an analogy to show what it looks like to walk with Christ. As we look to the prize which awaits us in glory. And he uses this metaphor of this race that we run as Christians to end a section which begins with laying down certain Christian freedoms in order to win brothers and sisters to the Lord. Specifically dealing with food sacrificed to idols. He says in 1 Corinthians 8.13, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Then in chapter 9, he moves to the fact that he has become all things to all people in order that he might save some. To the Jew, he has become like a Jew to win the Jew. To outside those outside the law, he has become like those outside the law to win those outside the law. To the weak, he has become weak to win the weak. And it is this evangelistic fervor to have the strength and endurance to continue in the race that Paul is talking about. And he ends the section with this metaphor of the Christian life as a race. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. As we read this section, if you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's word as we believe the word is the infallible, inerrant truth about God and written according to his word, inspired by the Holy Spirit to human authors who write the truth. Here we go, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? 
So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we ask that as we read your word, that your word would speak to our hearts. Help us to open our ears and our eyes to see the truths of the gospel. And Father, help us to hear what you need us to hear according to your word. Help strengthen those who believe according to the scripture. And help open the eyes of those who have not yet believed to understand the truths of your word. In the beautiful gospel that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the greatest engineering feats of the 19th century was building the Transcontinental Railroad. All the way from the East Coast to the West Coast. With excitement looming in the air, the project started. They they decided that... But before they started, they decided that they would have a nailing of the first spike ceremony. We would think about it as maybe a ribbon cutting ceremony or a beginning. And they would nail the first spike into the railroad ties to begin the railroad from the east coast all the way to the west coast. Sounds like a wonderful idea. But this man, who was one of the leaders of this venture, his name was Colin Collis Huntington. He sent a telegram. Instead of a text message, he sent a telegram. That's how they did it back in the day. To those who wanted to do the first spike ceremony. And this is what the telegram said. If you want to jubilate over driving the first spike, go ahead and do it. I don't. Those mountains over there, he's talking about the Rocky Mountains, right? (laughs) They look too ugly. We may fail, and if we do, I want to have as few people know about it as we can. Anyone can drive the first spike. But there are months of labor and unrest between the first and the last spike. You see, starting well is easy. It's finishing well that is the challenge, right? You could say that I was the best father in the hospital room. You could say that I was the best husband on the honeymoon. You could even say I was the best pastor in seminary, right? But what will they say when the race is over? What will they say when your life has finished? My friend Reagan Bradford, longtime member of this church, ran his race in his 90s. We, we had his funeral here this week. And I can imagine the Lord God Almighty saying to him, well done. Good and faithful servant. You finished the race. Amen? It's not well start 
that Christians look for. We begin the Christian life with the end in mind. Knowing our God will see us to the finish line. Philippians 1.6, this is the promise of God. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. But as we run this race, you see, we as the church, the people of God, enter into strict training, knowing there is temptation to coast. There is temptation to run aimlessly, not being useful for the kingdom of God, the gospel not going forth from us. And that's not how God intended it. So Paul calls us to run the race with purpose and meaning. And that's what the church is called to do. Let's look at verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. This is our first point this morning. You see, the people of God live for the glory of God. The people of God live for the glory of God. We, as the people of God, know that we will obtain the prize. Why don't we train and run as if we are obtaining the prize, right? There are two top athletic events for the Greeks at this time. One you guys know about, which is the Olympic Games during uh, this this Greek culture. And the other was called the Isthmian Games. And it was held in Corinth, who Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. Because Corinth was on an isthmus. So it was the Isthmian Games. So the church in Corinth was well aware of a race like this. And Paul uses this analogy for the church. So for 10 months prior to the Isthmian Games, athletes would enter into strict discipline. In the in which they would practice intense self-control in all areas of their life. They would practice self-control in diet, in sleep, in exercise. They would even swear an oath that they would not eat meat, they would not drink wine, they would not have sex for 10 months leading up to the race. Their journey was also public. They would work out in the middle of the town square so everyone could see them attending their training. And if they weren't doing their training and met their goals and their qualifications, they were in danger of being disqualified, unable to run the race. You see, in the same way Christians, Paul is calling, must exercise self-control in aspects of their life To do what? To live for the glory of God. To win the lost. You see, it takes a lot of work and intentional focus to win someone's neighbor to Christ. 
It takes a lot of self-control and focus to win the broader culture to Christ. In the cultural moment we are in, often it is not a simple gospel conversation that will win someone to Christ. Why? Because they have a load of baggage that must be unpacked from skepticism to hurts from the church to uncertainty over certain truths such as creation that is taught in their schools There's often a redefining of terms and understanding the narrative of Scripture that must take place in the lives of people for them to even hear and understand the gospel. But God opens the hearts and minds. We we believe that. But often there's a lot of chiseling work done through the work of the Spirit of the living God by the people of God to get the gospel into their hearts and minds. You see, the gospel witness itself is not without work. The person that Hope was talking about, the little child that came to Christ, guess what? There's somebody in our church that picked up that child for every practice and game to take him to the game. To be able to play on the team. There was somebody who paid for that child to go to children's, fault, uh, children's camp. And that child came to Christ. There's a lot of work that has been done to bring that child to faith. A gospel witness is not without work. Living for the glory of God is woven beautifully into the tapestry of the Christian life. We respond to the great gospel of, of God to a life in which we die to self and live for Christ. Often it's laying down our own preferences for others. Philippians 2, Paul talks about this as an aspect of the gospel now pervading every aspect of our life. He says this in Philippians 2, 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You see, it is this reflection of the grace of God in our lives in which often the Holy Spirit will work to chisel the hearts of stone of a person to be able to see God, to bring about a new heart that loves God and His Word is written, therefore, on their heart. Do you know the word for athlete in the Greek in this text? is agonizomai. You you probably understand. We get the word agony from that. Athlete, agony. They go through intense sacrifices. We are athletes, ladies and gentlemen, for Christ. It means we strive, we fight, we struggle. You see, this is the race in which Paul wants the church to enter into. 
This struggle is not against flesh and blood, but for souls, for humanity. Living for the glory of God will be about showing people the gospel and living it out in your own life. You see, it's not for the faint. It's not for the weak. But loving people, taking down hindrances that they may have so that they can hear and see the precious word of God, which we so hold so dearly. May people see Christ in us as we live for the glory of God. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. This is our next point this morning from these two verses. The people of God were created on purpose for a purpose. The people of God were created on purpose for a purpose. We'll get to it here in a minute. But you were created in the image of God to glorify God with your life. You see, the athletes at the Isthmian Games would receive a prize. The prize was a pine wreath. They would go through all the training. They weren't professional athletes at this time, by the way. Olympics for a long time were were unprofessional athletes. They were amateur athletes, meaning they didn't get paid. These people worked their tails off for a wreath, not a gold medal, a wreath that you hang on your door at Christmas, right? (laughs) A wreath. They would go through what all this training for something that may not even last them for a week or a month. Paul describes the end of of his life like this. 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 8, 6 through 8, he says this, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me On that day, and not only to me, but also all those who have loved his appearing. The crown of righteousness. Isn't that a beautiful thing compared to this pine wreath? The eternal reward that you are declared righteous by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Not because of what you did, but because he did on the cross. And your faith being placed in him. The eternal reward, the crown of righteousness. That's what we have to look forward to at the end of our race. But how will you prepare for that crown of righteousness? The pine wreath in comparison to an eternal inheritance. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3-4 about the eternal reward. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's what Paul is saying here. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable reward. Paul's argument is thus. Get off the couch and get to work. The gospel itself demands that we as the church not run aimlessly. This is where we get you were created on purpose for a purpose. Genesis chapter 1:27 So God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them you were created on purpose by God himself for a purpose to reflect his glory in the image of God But guess what every person in this room falls short of the glory of God That means we all have sinned. We have missed the mark. Some aspect of our life because we have not shown God's glory. We have not shown the characteristics of who God is through our life. So God sent the one who never sinned. The one who is the glory of God from heaven down to earth to be a servant. And not just any servant, but to die on a cross for sinners. To take the place of those who fall short of the glory of God. To pay for their sin. In order that they may be resurrected into eternal life by giving them a new hope in the resurrection of Christ. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. So it is out of this light and which is brought by Christ that we come to and join with him to receive the crown of righteousness in which this good news gospel brings about in our life that we respond in worship to the Lord in preparation and training for the crown of righteousness that we will receive. So church, we are in preparation and we are in training for eternity. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus 
for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, out of the gospel flows this desire to do what God has called us to do, to live for the glory of God, to show how great and mighty our God actually is. Have you ever thought of that? When somebody comes up here and gives their testimony, what are they doing? They are showing how great and awesome and mighty God is. Bringing someone who doesn't know God, who doesn't care about God, who doesn't want God, and bringing them to a point where they worship their God, they give their life to their God, they come to church, they give of their tithes and offerings. Why? Because all for the glory of God. Not so we can have a bigger church, not so we can have a grandiose building. It's for the glory of God. That they, by their life, can show how great and glorious this God is. So we're not shadow boxing. Right? But we're taking aim upon the people who are lost and sharing this gospel with them so they too can reflect the glory of God and fill the earth with his glory. That's the purpose in which we wait for eternity. He's put us on this earth for a purpose. Verse 27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is um, our third point this morning. The people of God die to the flesh and live by the Spirit. The people of God die to the flesh and live by the Spirit. I die, Jesus lives in me. That's what we're saying. That's what baptism actually says. I die. Jesus now lives in me. You see, a contestant who failed to meet the training requirements was disqualified. He could not run, much less win. Paul didn't want us to be first spike Christians. Starting out with enthusiasm and devotion and then break training to then be disqualified by being an effective witness. We're not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about being an effective witness for the kingdom of God. What you were created to do, live for the glory of God, you break the training How can God use you to reflect his glory? Are you willing to pay the price? Galatians 5.16 tells it like better than I could say it. But I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. 
to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Why? Those reflect the glory of God. The flesh is against reflecting the glory of God. These are for it. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, here it is. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They killed the flesh. We talked about that in fasting last week. The people of God die to the flesh, live by the Spirit. They discipline their bodies to keep it under control. Lest after proclaiming this gospel... They themselves are disqualified from proclaiming it even more. Maybe you know somebody who has proclaimed the gospel, proclaimed that they're a Christian, proclaimed that they're a member of the church, proclaimed that they are a follower of Jesus, and have become disqualified because they're not living for the glory of God. They have disqualified themselves from running the race after people to bring people to Christ. Don't disqualify. Dig in. Endure the challenges that you face. Maybe today you're you're on the couch like me and Brad were 10 weeks ago. In the Christian life. And you want to begin to train to run the race. Maybe there's a conviction in your heart. Maybe there's a surrender to begin anew. A new start. We call this repentance. To change your mind. To say... I'm no longer just going to sit on the couch and eat potato, uh, Lay's potato chips. But I'm going to change my mind. And I'm going to begin to train to enter into the race for which God has called me to enter into. Maybe you've gotten a bit fat on the pleasures of this world. And a lack of self-control has led you to places that you really don't want to be. You see, Jesus still stands advocating to the Father, I paid for that man or that woman's entry fee. And they will run the race. But don't wait. Don't wait. Today may be the day where you, the will in your heart 
begins a new training session. You say, you know what, I'm going to do the yearly quiet time. I've, I've lost track and I need to do it again. I I've, will start the yearly quiet time. Or maybe you haven't been to the church gathering regularly. You haven't been hearing the word of God preached over your souls and your minds. You say, you know what, I need to attend regularly. Maybe it's time in prayer and you, you say, I'm going to spend some time preparing myself to be a witness for God. And I'm going to ask him to bring me people. Therefore, I'm going to spend agonizingly amount of time in prayer asking for, for him to save the lost and him to save people in our neighborhood and giving me opportunities to do that. I'm going to begin to live on mission, maybe going on a mission trip or beginning a mission trip in my own workplace, praying for lost people that I deal with every day. You see, church, you are called to so much more than a 401k plan and a once a year five-star vacation. You see, you were called to live for the glory of God. So let us be a church that exercises self-control and trains to be ready to share the hope that we have in Christ. To push back darkness in areas that are very dark and withstand the intense pressures and fear of the culture that is imposing upon gospel proclamation right now. Let us stand as people who discipline ourselves in the faith. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because we love our God and we are awaiting the prize, the crown of righteousness in eternity. Let us live for eternity, not the here and now. Strength and endurance for the eternal reward. Let's pray. Father, we ask today that you would give strength and endurance to those who are in need of it. Father, we pray for new convictions. We pray for convictions of the spirit of the living God, not that are based upon I will do better, but because, but because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that their lives would be transformed by the power of the word of God. Not anything that I say, but by the word of the living God. We thank you for the analogy Paul gives us for athletes and those that are agonizing for the gospel. Lord, we know that there are people in this room this morning who have never given their life to Christ, that never surrendered their life, and we ask, Father, that you would help them to make a step of faith to say, I need Jesus. Lord, there are those in this room who have wandered far from the faith, and they need to take a step of repentance and say, I need to get off the couch. Lord, help them to make a step of faith. And there are those that are walking faithfully with their God in this room. And yet they need the encouragement to endure. 
encouragement to remain steadfast. Lord, give them that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're having a time of invitation. If you'll stand, we're going to sing a song. But we'd also like for those who need to take a step of faith to be able to do that. And so they're able to take a step of faith by coming down and talking to a pastor. Steve and I will be down here. We can pray with you about anything you have in your life. The altar is also open. If you come down the altar, someone will come and pray with you. They don't have to know what's going on in your life, but they will obviously pray with you. Take a step of faith.